Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, March 3rd. This is episode number 139. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Uh, Joining me today are my guests, Steve and Heather Winfrey. Steve and Heather, how are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to talking to you guys. Um, we're kind of taking a detour because this is this is usually a Browns podcast, but we don't always talk about Browns football. Sometimes we do some other things. Um, you know, we like to keep it open and and uh, you know when there when there are important things or you know or people that I want to talk to, I you know I change the uh, change the format a little bit. So um, I've been wanting to have you guys on for a while, so I'm I'm glad that we finally have this chance. So. Um, you guys are, I don't think you guys are Browns fans, right? It, I'll say that we do have a connection with the Browns in a way because obviously the owner of the Browns, Haslam, is from right here in uh, Tennessee. And obviously he's very involved with the University of Tennessee Athletics. So we oh, definitely right. him well and pilot. And we do, obviously, um, I've followed the Browns a little bit. Um, I've been up to Cleveland a couple of times. And, um, but yeah, you guys have had, you guys have played well um, over the past few seasons. I know it's been a little bit of a struggle and you probably didn't enjoy seeing that team to the south of you um, perhaps go to the Super. <laughs> it was a little bit of a surprise, but, but yeah, I really hadn't thought about that connection um, for you guys. But, but yeah, so not, not too far away, but, um, um, we're not going to talk too much Browns. Um, people, people, people might recognize your names, um, but they might say, you know, where do I know their names from? And um, it, it's been a few years since your since the the video came out, and I know you guys have done a lot have 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 had a lot happen since then. But I just watched the video again last night, and. You know, I don't care how many times I watch or anybody else. You can't watch that video without just balling. Um, it's just not possible, I don't think. So, and it's been it's been what four, like four years. Yeah, actually, um, come July it'll be five. Believe it or not, five years. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, and uh, on YouTube, and I don't know if the I don't know if this encompasses all of the views or not, but. The one that I watched had 286,000 views. I'm guessing more people than that may have seen this thing by now. But um, it's um, one thing. Well, one thing that we've learned ab- about the the video and it having to we say only 286,000 is because for like the first week and a half or two, we were giving people permission to use it, and uh-huh. they would just take they would some I guess take the video and embed it in their website. And so it wouldn't like go to the YouTube because um, we do have a licensing agent now. And we've been told across all platforms that you could imagine all around the world. It's been seen about 700 million times now. Okay, that. Yeah, that's that's a little bigger number than I would have guessed. But it's I figured it had to be way more than the number that I was looking at. It's actually it's. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. So, um. So let's let's go back to that video and pe- people are going to remember this when you talk about it. So so Heather, could you just kind of just tell us um, just 
kind of, I think people are going to know when you talk about it. So I don't expect you to go through the whole thing. But how did, how did you pull this thing off and keep it a surprise? Yeah, so <clears throat> I was um, trying to kind of calm my nerves during a very stressful week, waiting on some test results. And so I decided to pretend in my mind that I knew that the test results were positive, good results. And so um, I decided that I was going to um, just plan to tell Steve these great results um, and plan how I was going to tell him those results before I knew the results. And those results were if I was a kidney match or not to donate a kidney to my husband, Steve. So he knew I had gotten tested. We were both very anxious that week. And <clears throat> and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to incorporate something that's very special to us. While Steve had been sick for years and years and in and out of the hospital and had started dialysis, um, one time during just a very um, kind of depressing low moment in in our life whilst he was in the hospital, um, I asked him just to kind of cheer him up and just see him smile. What's something you enjoy doing as a kid? And he brought up baseball cards and his face lit up as he told me about collecting. And so that's something we started doing together um, just to pass the time in the hospitals and then just to kind of just enjoy each other's company and just kind of date each other again during this this crazy health journey. And so when I was waiting on these test results, I thought to myself, well, maybe I could make him a custom card of himself. And um, I'm not a very creative person. <laughs> and so I started Googling thinking if I were to try and make a, a baseball card myself, it'd look like a little wallet picture with words on the back and it would be like a Pinterest fail version <laughs> of a baseball card. <laughs> and then I saw on um, Google that tops the card company, they have a site where you can make custom cards. And so I went on that site and I put in a little, you know, uploaded a picture of Steve uh, during his testing at Vanderbilt transplant center and then I just put a bunch of baseball puns on the back telling him that I was a match. And this was all before I knew that I was a match. And I placed the order and it said it'd be ready in three to five business days. At this point, I had already been waiting a day or two for the results. And I thought, I'm going to get I'm going to get this card in the mail after I find out the results. And and I, I'm going to not be able to wait. I'm a very impatient person. I'm terrible at keeping secrets and surprises. And sure enough, I got a call before the card had come in the mail. And um, so I contacted Tops and I told them why I needed this card immediately. And they send, sent me the proof in an email and I was able to print it off at work. Um, I went home that evening and Steve and I sat on our porch and I decided to video the moment just for us to have as a memory. And it was probably one of the most emotional moments of our life. Um, like you said, you just watched it the other day. I watched the video the other day and I can't watch it without crying still. And I've yeah. seen 
talked about it. I'm getting emotional right now. And it's, um, you know, I've talked about this a million times to a million different people, but um, it was a very genuine moment. And, um, and I told him I'm a match and we both cried after I shut the video off. We danced on our front porch. We came inside. We were emotionally exhausted from the whole week of stress. And we had a conversation, just not thinking much of it. Um, and Steve said, well, why don't you post the video to your Facebook? So your friends at church who've been praying for us um, can know, you know, their prayers were answered. And so I posted it and we went to sleep. Um, I'll let Steve kind of share what happened the next day. Yeah, um, needless to say. Uh, whatever it was that happened overnight happened very quickly and happened very discreetly because when we woke up, gosh, we had about a thousand notifications on our phone <laughs> and we ended up going to to lunch that day. And while I was at lunch, I got a call from a New York City number. So I stepped out and I answered it and it was the producer of Good Morning America. And oh I, I just remember saying, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Like, hello, <laughs> why are you calling me? And he was like, we would like for you to be on our show. And I said, why? <laughs> and he's like, are you seriously don't know? And I said, no. He's like, you need to go look online. And so we did. And sure enough, it was everywhere. And it didn't make sense to us because we just posted it 12 hours before, before we went to bed. And so for us, we were like, what happened? Like, what's going on? Um, and then when, so that afternoon, which is actually ironically the last time I used Skype, we did a Good Morning America interview via Skype <laughs> the next day. Mm-hmm. And when they aired it, that's when it really blew up. Um, but how she kept it a secret is she did a great job. For somebody who says that she's not creative, I think she did a phenomenal job. And I know you and her just talked about how you guys, you know, well up every time you see it um, or you have tears and all of that. Um, something that she doesn't tell you or people is that she also laughs every time she sees the video. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks her puns are so funny. <laughs> You're talking about what was on the back of the card, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. So yeah. every time we're watching the video and I say, and it, it's that first part, it's like, you know, due to your health, Steve's been striking out a lot or something like that. And I remember yeah, you get that look on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading. I was like, well, that wasn't very nice. Like, it's not been that bad. It's been bad, but I'm not, you know. And so every time, it doesn't matter where we are, um, she laughs or giggles. We had that video played in front of med students at Vanderbilt. She laughed. Um, we had it played in front of a live audience, studio audience at the Harry Connick Jr. show at CBS. I'm sure she laughed. I didn't happen to look over, but it's the cutest thing, too, because it's such like an emotional moment. But it doesn't matter. She always giggles when she reads her own funny from the back of that card. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how she held it together while you're, you know, when you started reading that. But I guess that maybe that's how she did it. <laughs> because yeah, because there's that funny part there, you know, <laughs> and it kind of went right from that to right from that to to the tears. So and uh, leading up to that, you can yeah. kind of just hear the the anxiousness yeah. in my voice because yeah. I'm like, hurry up. Yeah. I think there's a hit. I think there's a hit. And just kind of urging him on and he's going really slow going through each yeah. point 
her and talking about their history. Because she told me and, to. And yeah, and she I'm said, just like. Pretend like, like <laughs> you're on a TV show. Most people don't know this. So, Rod, you know, there's all these YouTube channels where you got people who open product in front of, you know, for people who are watching. And yeah. for those of us who maybe don't have as much money as others, we do get our kicks by watching other people open cards. Well, she was like, well, what if one day you had your own little show? Because she and I would have pack wars. And when I say was, I mean, still do. And we've had a lot of people say, oh, that'd be interesting to watch you two go at it because she's beaten me every single time by like four or five. Um, and so she's like, well, why don't you practice like talking about the cards, talking about the players? Because this was a brand new product. It was 2017 Bowman Platinum. It had just come out. So she was like, yeah, just talk about it. Um, so that's, that's why in the video I go kind of slow and I mention every player's name. Um, it was way too slow. I don't me. usually do that. <laughs> that's how she convinced me to be on camera, by the way. I gotcha. uh, actually told a lot of people that. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I ended up on camera because she said, let's pretend that you're. And see, the weird the day had already been so weird anyway. I just kind of went with it because, you know, looking back, I realized my wife of, gosh, at that point, five years had lied to me all day. <laughs> and it was just the weirdest day. And, um, I'll never forget that moment, man. I, like, I'll never forget when I when I saw the card, I, I kind of knew then because of the photo. And I was thinking to myself, well, she didn't put this in here to tell me she wasn't a match. <laughs> that was kind yeah. of my thought process. Because you can hear me, like, thinking out loud some. I'm like, huh. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I was doing things like that. I was thinking out loud. That was me figuring it out. I flipped it over. and But as soon as I saw the words recipient, I, it hit me um, because then I knew exactly what had happened and that not only was she saving my life after 14 years of being miserable, um, spending my entire adult life wondering if, you know, God had just forgotten about me, if my life was always going to be this horrible, this miserable. I didn't even beg God to please stop forgetting about me um, and didn't even know if I wanted to stay alive because I was that miserable. And so all of those emotions hit me at once that it was going to go away when I read the back of that card. That's why I just bawled and bawled and bawled my eyes out. And I eventually turned to her and I asked, you know, I basically said, so you want to save my life? And she said, yes. And that's where a lot of emotions came from, from pain and hurt and depression and things like that for the past, you know, 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, you had been dealing with, with this for a long time obviously so um so this happens and so i, I guess it, it blows up overnight you go on good morning america and i know um the uh, the transplant happened like uh relatively well how, how, why don't you just tell me how much how much time passed between the video and the transplant you actually yeah things actually were accelerated, I think, in part due to the viralness of our story. I remember um, when we started doing interviews, we were doing radio, we were doing TV, we were doing local news. And I got really anxious because me telling Steve I was a match was just basically the first step in seeing if I could donate a kidney to him. I still had to have several more tests. Um, in fact, two full days of medical tests in order for me to be approved to donate. 
And so every interview we went on, I reminded Steve, like, let's remind the people that I'm not approved yet. Just because I'm a match doesn't mean I, I can donate a kidney to you. It just means that, you know, we've got a little green, a little green flag in the beginning of our, our journey towards donating. Um, and Vanderbilt um, saw our story, saw that it had gone viral, knew that we were both in the process of getting approved. And and they reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I know this. Um, but I think that kind of accelerated the process. Everyone was very invested in um, making sure that um, we went through all the channels. Um, and when you're a living donor, um, what a lot of people don't know is Steve and I have two separate teams at Vanderbilt. So there's one looking out for the best interest of Steve. And then there's another team of doctors that's looking out for the best interest of me because they don't want anyone to donate a kidney if they're not healthy enough. And so, uh-huh. <clears throat> so we did, um, I did the full two days of testing. So um, I told Steve I was a match in July, and at the end of September, which is very, very quick, um, we ended up having the transplant September 28th of 2017. So things went really quickly. In the moment, yeah. it felt like it was taking forever just because <laughs> of hearing that you can save your husband's life and then, you know, even waiting weeks is is it's hard because you just want to get to that finish line and know that it was a success. And um, I had a lot of anxiety during those weeks because, you know, I didn't know if I could donate a kidney and then I didn't know if it would take. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And too, if I can, like, I do want to clarify that when she said she was a match, that was actually it wasn't just like a green flag at the beginning that was that's a major green flag because she had already you had to we had already tested antibodies and things like that the tests that we had to do afterwards um we felt fairly confident in that our doctors felt fairly confident that this was going to happen but the fact remained like heather said there still were some tests that had to be done and actually something that i don't think we've ever really told anybody was that we had a moment where we didn't think it was going to happen. Um, she had an ultrasound and they came back and said, you actually have two main arteries going into your kidney. And typically we can't transplant those. Um, it's, a little bit more tricky. it's more complicated, but it's Vanderbilt. One of the surgeons stepped up and said, I got this. So there was, wow. I mean, whether it was a day or two of waiting, there was actually a time period that most people don't know about where we were like, uh Oh, um, but obviously everything worked out. I had even forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She had two main, two big arteries. So, um, that would have been, we were already getting a lot of trolls anyway at the time saying it was fake. That would have really been bad. <laughs> yeah, which, <laughs> if it didn't happen. Stressful. Well, bad in more yeah. than one way. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's stressful enough of a process, but then when you have the whole world watching, um, it's, it just yeah. adds a lot. It. There, there, there's a good side and a bad side to it. There's the added pressure of there's people watching, but then also we had so many people that were rooting for us. And I think Steve and I were at a point in our in Steve's health journey where we were kind of 
reaching a very low low. And so to know that there were people all over the world, like I got messages from people in India and Australia and just all these places just saying, we're thinking about you or we're praying for you or, um, you know, your love story has brought me hope. Just all these just kind thoughts going out into the to the universe for you. And it just it just really brought our spirits up. Yeah, that's got to be an incredible feeling. So uh, so you guys, uh, I guess uh, I just rewatched the uh, the Harry Connick uh um, appearance as well and you guys were on that it was only five weeks after the transplant you got you guys looked outstanding on there um it was kind of uh kind of surprising how i don't know if i want to say how well you looked but um i mean you guys really both looked uh like you're like you um were doing extremely well i guess is that i guess is that is that typical um, for people to recover from a transplant that quickly? Well, thank, oh. thank you for saying that. Yeah. I do want to say Harry Connick Jr. has incredible hair and makeup <laughs> people that wonders <laughs> on us. So I feel like that was our best selves, even being five <laughs> weeks out from transplant. Um, but yeah, I remember... Gosh, getting to New York and we both, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I felt like I had been given a second chance at life, um, even though I wasn't on the receiving end of this gift of life. Um, I just had this renewed just feeling of hope and excitement about the future, knowing that my husband was going to live a healthier life. And just being in New York, it was just a a change of pace for us. I remember um, walking around New York. We got there a day early and um, Steve was kind of leaving me in his, uh, leaving me in the dust. A couple of times I had to (laughs) slow down because um, a lot of people don't know that um, it's a little bit harder on the donor, the surgeries. And so Steve, while he um, was running circles around me in New York. I was huffing and puffing a little bit. I mean, New York's a big place. It'll kind of take the wind out of a lot of people, even being healthy. But, um, I just remember just seeing him feel a little bit better was just an incredible experience to see. And, For me, I think the biggest point that I want to make, and so what you said, that's very kind that you said that. I don't naturally look like that. That was a whole (laughs) lot of pain. And, (laughs) and, you know, it's kind of funny because Harry actually made a comment about that um, when we were talking to him. If you remember, he had made a comment that I look pretty good. (laughs) Of course, coming from a man like that. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> I remember after we walked off stage, speaking of looking good, um, I remember Steve saying um, about Harry, he looks he looks even better in person. And I was like, you said it, not me. <laughs> I kept telling her that she could touch that man twice. <laughs> a hug hello and a hello goodbye or yeah. a hug 
I was like, I'm going to lose my wife to this guy who's a crooner, who can act, <laughs> who's got money. <laughs> uh, but he was actually incredibly, incredibly kind and a great man. And the point I was going to make earlier was, um, you know, I, I look at that interview and, and we do. Um, I do look great seeing as how it's five, five weeks post. Um, that's because that's how quickly and how big of a difference a donor can make in a patient's life. Um, you know, we we're talking about five weeks out. I was hearing comments like the one you just made mm-hmm. hours after the operation. Yeah. I remember when they wow. rolled me to my room and they said, I already looked a little thinner in my face. I already had more color um, in my face. And that's how quickly a, a new kidney um, can truly positively affect somebody. And so I'm glad you guys bring that point up and because that's something I want to always make sure I talk about to people who are thinking about being a donor. You know, look how quickly you can make a difference in someone's life because, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I looked awful for the years leading up through dialysis and, and, and all of that stuff. And then um, that's how quickly she changed my life. That it, It's quite amazing. It's, it's a miracle. And um, in that interview with Harry, I remember talking about how I had been so sick and how I hadn't felt well and how eventually you get to the point where you feel like this is just who I am. And all of a sudden your wife comes along and she says, I want to save your life. And I remember saying that. And there was a, a gentleman from his band in the background that went like, wow, like that. And if you're watching the clip, you'll hear it. And then all of a sudden I stop and I tell people it wasn't because I was getting kind of emotional or like thinking about what I just said. It was because he interrupted me and I forgot <laughs> what I was saying. <laughs> and you're on TV. Yeah. Right. Like people are like, oh, look, he had a moment because that guy was like, oh, wow. And then also I start looking down, choking up a little bit. And I'm like, no, no, I couldn't remember what I was saying because <laughs> the guy back there had interrupted me. And <laughs> just like funny, silly little story from when we were shooting. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, we were out of our element for sure. We had our own green room. Um, which was very unique, um, had our name on the door. Um, on either side of us, there was an actress named Kate Bosworth um, who was there getting ready. And then um, the lady on the other side was the black lady who had created the Me Too movement, who was actually the Times Person of the Year the next year. Um, but we didn't really know that's who that was until um, after she had done her part of the episode. We're like, oh, okay. Um, Because at that point, I definitely had heard her or we just didn't know what she looked like. So it definitely, we felt like, why are we here? Like, we have some people here who've done some great things. We have famous people here, all these kinds of folks. And then there's us, just two people from (laughs) East who love a good Miller Cracker Barrel on a visit to Walmart. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it can be hard to to see, you know, to to see yourself in that company. But um, right. But yeah, I mean, for, but for people watching the show, I I think they uh, didn't have any problem uh, believing that you guys belong there. So, um, I I wanted to mention he he uh, gave you guys the uh, the trip to uh, Braves spring training. Now I know you've been a Braves fan for a long time, and that was is that the first time you you guys went to Braves spring training? Is that the first time you met um, a lot of those players? Um. For from my part of that, that's no, that's not the first time. Believe it or not, I actually used to work there down okay. at 
Um, cause it was at the Disney's, um, well, I still call it the wild world of sports complex. It's ESPN's wild world of sports now. Um, but I actually, my professional internship after school, um, uh, was there and I helped work the brace spring training. This was back in 2007, 2008. Um, so in that regard, no, I guess it wasn't my first time, but being on the field and talking and hanging out and meeting with the guys, that was definitely a first for Heather and I, and we could tell that the players enjoyed like saying hey to me, but really they were there to talk to Heather. <laughs> and that's very obvious. Like <laughs> once we got down there and, you know, the guy we were with was his name's Brad Haney. Um, and he brought us through the dugout. We were hanging out in the dugout, hanging out on the field. He'd go over to like Freddie Freeman and say, hey, Freddie, um, Stephen Heather are here. And he'd walk over and be like, hey, so Heather, you know. <laughs> I remember we we talked to Freddie Freeman for for a good while. Very, very nice guy. Everything like you hear about him just being just a genuinely kind person is true. And um, I remember we talked to him for a while and then he he went back and then and then he came back and he he handed me uh, one of his bats and um he said here you can have this and then um walked off and then steve looks at me and goes i can't believe that freddie freeman just gave us his bat and i said freddie freeman just gave me (laughs) 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 let's be clear on this she was (laughs) because anytime i leave the house he uh he picks it up and swings it around. It's actually in our living room. I can see it right now. <laughs> wow, that's yeah, really cool. Whenever she like goes to the grocery store, I'll play with it. <laughs> so she, I don't get in trouble. But no, he was great. And you know, the one thing about our visit with the Braves is we, we hadn't even really thought about autographs or anything. I just wanted to meet the guys, and they're the ones that actually would would bring it up. Um, Freddie was like, "Do you don't have a baseball or anything?" And I was like. No, like, you know, I just, I was thinking, I just wanted to hang out and talk. And so he, of course, training, they just reached down. He grabbed a baseball. He signed it. We didn't have any type of paint pen or anything like that. Cause he wanted to sign his bat. Cause it was the bat he was using during batting practice and it's black. And, you know, I, I think I would have needed a silver paint pen or something. And I didn't have any of that. And so he was, you know, he was phenomenal. Chipper Jones was there and I was probably most starstruck by him. I was most nervous talking to Chipper Jones than any of them, um, by far, actually. Um, Because, you know, I'm a 90s kid. I was born in 85. And while we were there, Chipper Jones came in to say hey. Andrew Jones was there to say hey. Fred McGriff came in to say hey. Um, So a lot of guys that I grew up with. And that was really enjoyable for me. I love the players now, but, like, that was – it hit on a different level. So talking to Chipper was um, a little nerve wracking for me because this was the end of February, beginning of March, 2018. And he had just found out he was voted into the hall of fame. So he actually signed uh-huh. in a baseball. I asked him, I said, are you allowed to put hall of fame 18 on it? Even though you haven't officially been inducted yet. And he did. And so I always think that I had one of the first baseballs that he put hall of fame 18 on because it had just happened a couple of days before. Um, that's yeah, cool. he was. Yeah, he was. He was a good guy. Nice. So, um, 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I want to give you guys a chance to talk about um, before we talk about a few other things, just about um, kidney disease and organ transplants and um, advocating for those things. I know you guys have done work for this. So, um, what uh, I guess what what can you say about this and and um, what can you tell people? Um, about these things to, uh, I, I guess, uh, to get more awareness out there or, um, you know, what can people do to be, um, I mean, you know, I think people know what it takes to be in, to be, uh, um, to be an organ donor in most cases. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe don't know some of the processes for some other things. So, um, what, uh, what, uh, um, what, I'm, 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 Fishing for words here, guys. But what uh, what things are out there um, that that people can look into to uh, make them more aware of of how they can help out in these areas? Yeah, um, from a I guess from a patient standpoint, um, first and foremost, there are so many resources that are right there at the tip of your fingertips, just online. Um, for people to learn more and more about what kidney disease is, because the more I'm learning is that kidney disease affects more people in this country than I think a lot even realize. And so there's there's an abundance of information out there. I, I would recommend that people try and take it upon themselves to learn as much as they can. And again, from a, a patient standpoint, I'm talking even to the people who may have they just have high blood pressure or they may just have diabetes. Those are the two leading causes of kidney disease. And so I do a lot of talking and imploring with patients like that to make sure you stay on top of your health, to make sure you research and you understand exactly what your kidneys do, why they're important, and making sure that you have as much knowledge as you can to protect yourself. Um, <clears throat> because for me, it didn't run, it doesn't run in my family. Sometimes you have genetic kidney disease and um a lot of other times it's not. And for me, I fell in that category of, oops, we don't really know what happened, which, you know, it can be frustrating because you want to know. But at the same time, you know, my doctor kind of laid it out to me as if, you know, whatever's happened has happened, whether that's basic scarring due to high blood pressure, um, perhaps undiagnosed diabetes um, or anything like that. Um, you want to make sure that you're doing your yearly physicals as young as you can because it's a very silent disease. When I was diagnosed at 18, um, I was 6'2", 180 pounds. I would just start playing college basketball. If you were to look at me, you wouldn't think anything was wrong. But at that point, I had already lost over 50% function. So that tells me I had been dealing with it since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one of those things that's very important to make sure you stay on top of things such as your, your blood sugars and your high blood pressure and, and things like that. And I really want to hear Heather, because I think the thing that we push the most is for donors, because I get a lot of people asking, well, how can we donate? What does it take to donate? But most importantly, one thing that we, we took from going viral was a lot of the comments that we would get on different articles that were written about us. And a lot of those comments were like, well, this doesn't make sense. Why did she wait so long to donate? Um, clearly people who did just didn't know um, how it works and how you can go about being a donor. So I'd love for her to kind of take over this question. And yes, yeah, so Steve mentioned he had 
um, found out about his kidney disease um, at 18 years old and had 50% function. And so when, when he shares, you know, I've been suffering, you know, from this disease since I was 18 years old. Um, yes, that's true. Um, it is um, chronic kidney disease is a progressive um, disease and sometimes takes a very long time to, to reach in stage renal failure. So um, although he was diagnosed at 18, he was what, 31 years old when you started dialysis? He started dialysis at 31 and it was kind of a very sudden, even though, you know, we had been watching and waiting and anticipating this moment for a long time. Mm-hmm. It happened really quickly. Um, he went from, you know, a function that was, he was able to maintain without dialysis to needing dialysis. Um, it was just a hospital stay and all of a sudden you're on dialysis and he was on dialysis three days a week for four hours at a time, um, in center. So, um, it kind of just changes your life like that. Um, and for me as a wife and a caretaker, um, it really changed my life, you know, drastically at that point. And so, um, me donating to him, it benefited him, but it also benefited me as, as, um, as a caretaker and as a wife to have my husband, um, return to, um, a healthier state of being. So to become a donor, there's, um, different avenues you can take. Um, I think, I think every state in the U S you can put a little heart on your driver's license and become a donor upon your death. And that is, an incredible option that all of us, we can sign up to do. Not all of us will be eligible at death to donate, but we can sign up and hopefully when we um, pass away, our organs will be in um, a situation where they'll be able to be donated. And that's not just kidneys, that's your heart, your lungs, your liver, your, um, your skin, your eyes. Um, There's so much, that is um, a part of our body that's able to be passed on to somebody and can improve someone's life and also save a life, not just a life, but a lot of lives. And I think that's a really incredible, meaningful, and um, just powerful legacy to be able to leave. Um, I know a lot of people who have... um, made that decision when their loved one passed to donate their organs. And, um, and that's given them some peace in their death, knowing that there was some good that came out of it. It's still a very, very um, difficult time to go through, but knowing that something positive happened from something tragic is um, a blessing. And it um, is a blessing for those that benefit from it. Um, and it has a, just a beautiful ripple effect um, that, you know, changes generations. You know, you save one person's life and then, you know, who knows what can happen from that, that one life. And, um, and then also there's living donation. And there are lots of organs that you can um, donate um, as a living donor as well. So, um, kidneys, 
we have two kidneys. Most people have two kidneys. Some people have three, but most people have two. Um, some people are only born with one, but most people are born with two. And you can live a healthy life with just one kidney. Um, I'm not sure why we're born with two, but maybe it's because we're supposed to think about maybe donating one of ours to somebody else. Um, I know that was the situation for me. Um, you can also donate a part of your liver. Um, the cool thing about a liver is it regenerates and you actually grow back the part of your liver that you donate, which is really kind of crazy. And, um, and if I can real quick, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe one donor can save up to eight lives. I think so. I believe that's the number and that's a really, really, really big deal. And save eight lives. And I think improve a lot more lives because of right skin grafts and um tissue and things and like that like and that. you know and the testing process and heather can we want people to know this because the biggest thing is well i'm afraid to give up a kidney what's going to happen well i can tell you that her kidney function with one kidney is the same as it was when she had two mm -hmm. uh -huh. she's now pregnant, so we're expanding our family mm -hmm. She, her life has continued, if not better, because now she has her second half, me, feeling a lot better. So, you know, we try to tell people who are thinking about donating. I mean, sure, it's always scary and there's always a risk. And was that my first option for my wife to be the one to go through that surgery? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I never even asked her to um, because you don't want to see your loved ones go through that. But um, she's doing great. Her kidney function is great. Um, like I said, she's able to have a child. She's giving birth here in a couple of months. Um, life's continued and it truly is a miracle and a life-saving choice. Um, and the testing doesn't take very long. It's not very um, intrusive. Um, you have some blood that's taken. You want to make sure that you're not just a blood type match, but you have antibodies you need to check for and different things like that. But it's a, it's a fairly easy and non-invasive process. Um, and so we just say like, just inquire, send a note to your local transplant hospital or clinic and just get the kit that you can take to learn more about it. And um, just, you know, go from there because we all need to look out for each other. We got a lot, a lot going on in our world, in our country. And I think uh, um, we should all be looking out for each other. And I think this is one way that you can do that. It seems scary, but obviously um, we wouldn't be promoting it if it wasn't something that ends up being safe and doesn't save a life. Yeah, and I want to add that um, there are really incredible programs at a lot of different transplant hospitals where um, you don't even have to know somebody who needs a transplant in order to be a living donor. They have matching programs where you can start a kidney donation chain. So had I not been a match for Steve, I could have joined one of these chains where I donate to someone's loved one and their loved one donates to Steve. Or sometimes, you know, the transplant teams have to create this web of living donors um, where maybe there are 10 people who are involved where one's donating to somebody and, and it just, creates this huge chain effect where um, just because you're not a match for your loved one doesn't mean that you can't 
still give that gift of life and it and it can still benefit your loved one. So that's a really cool thing that a lot of people don't know about. Um, when I joined the Living Kidney donor community, I found out that there are these incredibly beautiful people who, um, unlike myself, um, they just decided to donate to a stranger and didn't even have a connection to kidney disease. They just felt called to do it, um, not even really seeing or knowing personally the impact that it has on someone with kidney disease. And um, these incredible people have started these chain reactions where it has saved, you know, multiple people's lives. And it makes me really emotional thinking that had I not been a match, there are other people out in this world who are kind enough to donate to a stranger. And um, I just think that's a really beautiful thing that um, there are people willing to do that. And that's an offer for you. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing all that, guys. Um, just real quick, because I, I know we're we're really out of time here, but um, I just wanted to I want to congratulate you guys on on the uh, forthcoming uh, birth of your child. And I wanted to mention uh, people people here is talking and, and we've been talking about what you've been going through with the kidney disease and the transplant. Um, you guys have been foster parents and done a lot of fostering. I want to commend you on that and um, uh, give you maybe, a, maybe since we're over on time, give you a minute or two to just talk maybe about how rewarding that's been for you. Um, and I'll just leave it at that for right now. Yeah, gosh. Fostering, just, I have a huge heart, and Steve does too, for children. And um, fostering gave us the opportunity to just love kids. And we we have had <clears throat> three foster placements, um, three sibling sets of foster placements. So, um, two each time that we fostered um, siblings. So we've fostered six children over a span of four years. And uh, I think that they had a bigger impact on us than we did on them. I, I know that they had a bigger impact on us than we did them. Um, children are the greatest blessing. And you, you just learn so much when you take the time to listen and love and care for children because I mean they're our future and they give us hope and they give us ideas and um yeah and we had never parented before and the first set of siblings we got were ages gosh were they five and seven five. five and seven year old girls and I had three brothers so it was a shell shock for me um <laughs> so much about the other kind and <laughs> at the end of the day it was so much fun yeah. um every child that we had was such a great kid mm. and it taught us so much um, like said, we definitely feel like we grew more um we learned more we took away more than than maybe they did um hopefully that, hopefully they took something yeah. away from us but... <laughs> you hope <laughs> <laughs> but Something no, stuck. we're actually godparents, the two of them. Um, we had a newborn girl and her two-year-old brother that we brought home. And they were actually with us 
when all the viral stuff happened. They were inside the house asleep when we were doing the video. And so it was a lot of fun having them with us going through that because I actually have a photo of Travis. Um, he was our two-year-old boy um, watching us on Good Morning America holding the card from the video up saying Dada as he was watching. <laughs> he was so confused. It was the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> That's great. So sweet. Yeah, it was so sweet. And so now we're their godparents. And so we get to see them quite a bit now mm-hmm. after not seeing him for a few years. And it's just been a wonderful blessing. It really has. And, you know, having a child of our own in the sense of giving birth has been Heather's dream since she was a child. And that was always something that I felt a lot of guilt about us not being able to do that because we had been told our entire marriage that she couldn't get pregnant. I couldn't have kids. That's why we fostered. Um, so one day um, we went to actually it was last year. We went to the Braves home opener where they honored Hank Aaron because um, he had passed away and mm-hmm. way home she started talking about and we won't go into this uh, we'd love to come back to be quite honest because I'm very much enjoying talking with you and go um, you know, adoption and here we are what 10 months later we're expecting mm-hmm. um, which is a whole other story and a miracle with itself yeah so I'm currently pregnant with a child that is not genetically Steve or my child um, this child is, um, through embryo donation or embryo adoption. So another couple that went through IVF because, um, they needed assistance in reproducing had remaining embryos and they gave us the incredible gift of their remaining embryos so that we could uh-huh. create a family of our own. And so we are expecting our first child in may through embryo donation and the gift of life continues and we are just incredibly blessed um um, for me on the receiving end of it has just been incredibly humbling to kind of get a little taste of what um steve has felt it's just um surreal fantastic yeah and that's yeah that's that word's not descriptive enough but yeah uh, what, what a gift um, just tremendous. Um, well, you guys have other things in, in the works. I know uh, um, I know you're working on uh, on a, a book and, and a movie and so forth, and we don't have to get into that right now, so maybe we can have you back on. But I know that um, people can catch up with you and follow you on uh, – on, uh, did you want to give out your uh, your Twitter account? Yeah. Steve, yeah. Do um, you have that um, handy? Sure. Uh, so the new Twitter account that we have is at the underscore Winfrey's W I N F R E E S. So the underscore Winfrey's and the T and the W are lowercase. I don't know if that matters or not. And then I'm on Instagram um, and I'm the baseball card kidney guy. And there's an underscore between each word. Um, so you can find me there on Instagram. And then we obviously we have our Facebook page where we try to keep people in the loop who are following our story and things like that. And as you had touched on, um, we did sign a book deal back in November. Um, and shortly thereafter, we've signed or we've agreed to a movie deal. Um, we were approached by a Hollywood actor and director who believes our story should be on the big screen, whether it's in theaters or on Netflix. But 
Um, it looks like it's going to be a very big project that we're very, very blessed and excited to be a part of. Um, trying to think of different ways that we're going to be able to use this to uh, increase the awareness of organ donation, increase the number of people who actually sign up. So um, I'm trying to create an actual tangible goal with this. Um, and we're having a lot of fun. Pre-production starts soon. I know Heather and I will be in the movie um, more than just a cameo. Um, that's something that we've worked out because we're also being brought on as producers as well as screenwriters. So um, we never saw anything like this coming. Like this to us is absolutely insane because we still like just um, a few hours ago, I was talking to there's a kidney patient I had met on Instagram. And he's like, oh, I remember following your story years ago. And it just blew me away. I was like, you, you saw our story? He was like, yeah. And to us, that's just unreal that that moment we had when somebody says, oh, I saw that. That still to us is is crazy. And it will never seem normal to us. We'll never understand why it went viral. And we'll never see ourselves as viral people or things like anything more than, you know, than just who we are. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's just so surreal. And um you know, with a book and with a movie and there is a TV show that we're, we are talking with a TV production um, company about, but we can't really go into that. But even with all of that stuff, you know, one thing that Heather and I have said to ourselves, these are blessings. These are wonderful opportunities to help other people. Um, if any of these situations begin to come between who we are, who we, you know, deep down our own morals, values and ethics, who we are as parents and who we are as a married couple, we don't want to do it. And that's something we're going to stick to because our goal is our goal. And that's to help as many people as we can. Yeah. Well, all I can say is it's good to see good things happen to good people. And uh, you guys are, are good people. Um, you know, I, I just, from following your story, uh, you know, on, people might not know this, like, you know, I've known, I've known you for a while, Steve, uh, but, this is the first time we've talked, you know, I've known you through card collecting and, uh, you know, just, uh, talking here and there on, you know, through Facebook and things like that. But, um, uh, your, your story, there's, there's, uh, nothing to it. That's not genuine. And I don't think there's anything about either one of you guys that isn't just, uh, you know, good and good and kind. So, um, so it's, uh, it's good to see this stuff happen for you. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, certainly glad about everything that's gotten you to this point the transplant and everything else so and and it's been great talking to you so um we definitely have to have to have you back um and uh because we gotta talk we'll talk some sports and stuff and some cards you know my my um i guess i played college basketball but i was diagnosed with kidney failure two weeks before my first game so that dream was taken um which ended up being probably the best thing that's ever happened to me in the end um, but yeah, we could talk cards, we could talk sports. I know that's things that Heather doesn't care as much about. Oh, we, we've got some good, uh, some good, uh, stories. Yeah. I've got some good sports spring stories, training. um, spring training. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, sure. about your Browns. We got to yeah. talk about the Browns. Like I know we're Titans fans, but we can still talk about the Browns. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we'll definitely have you guys back on, but, um, yeah. For now, everybody you, should everybody should follow you on those uh, on those uh, um, social media accounts and um, and um, and uh, for now it's been great talking to you guys and this has been the Browns Blitz and we will catch you next time. <laughs>